Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Do not use the show's content as the basis for any investment decisions. Instead, consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence. Calls are pre-screened and the show was pre-recorded earlier this week. Rick Edelman is an investment advisor representative of Edelman Financial Services, a registered investment advisor which furnishes this program and also a registered principal of EF Legacy Securities, an affiliated broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. This is an encore presentation of The Rick Edelman Show. This is the Rick Edelman Show. Now, here's Rick Edelman. Welcome to the Truth About Money. I'm Rick Edelman. Hope you're having a great weekend. With me, Brandon Corso. You know, the stock market, this is cool. You've seen it. The stock market's reached all-time highs recently. The unemployment rate now at a 16-year low. There have been only three fleeting periods in the past half century where the U.S. unemployment rate was as low as it is today. So you might be feeling pretty good, but uh, maybe even a little overconfident. Well, the goal of this radio show, as you know, is to help you prepare for your financial future. And that means being prepared at all times, whether those times are good or bad. And so I've put together for you some of our favorite calls to show you that your financial situation and your individual goals are crucial to the decisions you'll make when it comes to choosing investments and your investment strategy and how important it is that you resist the temptation to act on impulse based on what you hear in the news or what happens one day uh, or another in the market. If you need help right now and you might wondering what to do in today's environment, call us, 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-752-6742. RiceStellman.com, RickEdelman.com. And that's what John did. He called us from West Simsbury, Connecticut. John, you're on the air. How can we help you? Hello, Rick. Hello, Brandon. Thanks for taking my call. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Well, I'm so glad you dialed uh, us up. How can we help? Yeah, I look forward to every every session uh, over the last number of years. Uh, my wife and I, are we're in our, our mid-50s. Uh, we've accumulated a reasonable nest egg, which is per- predominantly invested in the largest uh, mutual fund company, low cost, of course. And it's ever becoming increasingly difficult and more and more complicated with ETFs and and sector funds and and international and domestic and you know trying to navigate for the for retirement in the future which is still hopefully quite quite a few years off um you know what's the best allocation when you look at uh, since the market has has had a nice run here over the last number of years and you can't predict the future of course but you know, I think we're more invested probably domestically versus internationally. But I also know, you know, sometimes you recommend different sector funds also. John's asking, I think, what, Brandon, is the most fundamental of all investor questions. What should my asset allocation be? And it's colored whenever people ask the question by what's going on in the environment at the moment. At the moment, the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500 Stock Index are at or near all-time highs. We are in year nine of our uh, bull market, 
and people are wondering how much longer will prices continue to rise? What happens if something goes wrong? We've got issues uh, dealing with hurricanes and forest fires and North Korea and, you know, the list goes on and on and on about the issues that our nation is facing. Um, not to mention terrorism. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. In the face of all of this, people are asking the question, how should I invest my money today? What's the best answer you can provide? You're not going to like it because it's good. <laughs> the answer is it depends. I mean, and John, you want something more specific than that, but in good conscience, I can't give it to you, right? There's no way for me to be able to look through the, the uh, radio lines and, and get a glimpse of you and your life and your family and what your goals are and what your situations are, what your fears are, what it is you're trying to accomplish to tell you how to invest. And you're saying, so those are all the criteria that determine what the answer depends on. And I'd say, but a few, right? right? right. So Rick is right that it's the investments that probably people worry about most. But in order to give advice on the investments, I want to do a retirement projection to take a look at what your retirement goals are to determine, are you on pace for pulling off what you're trying to pull off? But I also want to look at different types of risk that could throw us off track. So that means insurance and estate planning and the like. need to look at whether you've got kids or grandkids and how they're going to impact what your plan is. And so another thing that makes this harder, though, um, Rick and John, is age. Because when somebody first starts to invest for their retirement, let's say they're in their 20s, they haven't accumulated anything yet. So they're really just deciding, okay, how much am I going to do to my plan through work? But how much harder does it get, John, in your case, that you've been saving and investing for decades? So all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, gosh, I've accumulated a lot of money. In other words, it does get harder. You mentioned that there are different or newer investment options today than there were, say, 20 years ago. And so- You know, the question is the right one. The question is the simple one. But it is a struggle for us over uh, the telephone and on the radio to give you the answer that you're seeking. But I will add this. I agree with everything, Brandon, with what you just said. I will add two points. Number one, I think that many people are more conservative than they need to be, meaning they are more worried about what's going on than they need to be. And they are, by extension, point number two, focusing a little too much on the recent past and trying to make a long-term future decision based on what has recently occurred. So excellent point. And how does this impact John? One thing that happens as we approach retirement, pretend we're five years from retirement, it's not that uncommon for people to say to themselves, gosh, in five years, I need to start income. I'm going to actually withdraw money from my accounts. And all of a sudden, a light goes off that five years is their investment horizon. That's their time frame. But in reality, that couldn't be farther from the truth because as we show somebody in a meeting how you actually provide income through retirement, guess what happens? We're talking about a retirement span that is very likely multiple decades. And when it is that long, what happens is you're taking small amounts out every single year. You're almost dribbling income out. So a very common mistake that people make approaching retirement or hitting retirement is to do just what Rick said, which is all of a sudden become too conservative and lose sight of the fact that your goals are going to extend a heck of a long time past that retirement date. Very good. Great answers. I think uh, my best approach is to Give someone in one of your offices a call. Try to sit down and look at look at the whole program comprehensively. 
because we have at least 10, 10 years, at least until official retirement age. And obviously, like you had mentioned, there's another potential 20 years that we could uh, live and hopefully live and, and beyond. And, you know, you can't be too conservative. Uh, that's a little bit more of a time horizon than certainly uh, someone that's uh, it's quite a bit older as, as compared to someone that's, like you mentioned, 20, 25, year, 25 years old entering the workplace and you know, they don't have to think about it. They can take 100% risk because they got the time behind there. Uh, and that's why it becomes back. so much more important for you to deal with this now. Your timing is perfect. Your situation is perfect. Your questions are perfect. And we'd be really honored to assist you. We've got an office uh, in Connecticut, so we're right around the corner from you and very happy to help. Just call us at 888-PLAN-RIC like you did today, and we'll set you up with uh, one of our colleagues and take care of all of this for you. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, look forward to many more years of listening to your program. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much, John. We appreciate your phone call. I'm Rick Edelman in with Brandon Corso. We're taking your questions at Triple H Plan Rick. We're heading off to Tucson. Pat's on the phone with us. Welcome to the program, Pat. How are you? Hi, Rick. I'd like to thank you for your shows and your books. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. How can we help? I was recently notified by my bank that as of June 9th, my inherited IRA was converted to a self-directed IRA. What are my options? Can I transfer custodianship, administration, and management to your company? So let's uh, back up a little bit for everybody to understand what we're talking about. Um, normally, people put money into an IRA on their own. They contribute to the money themselves out of their paycheck. And they control the account, they own the account, and they plan on using the account while they're alive. But sometimes people pass away while still having money in an IRA. When that happens, that money transfers to their surviving beneficiary, called an inherited IRA. So, Brandon, what are the tax implications and control implications of owning an inherited IRA? Saying, hey, my mom or dad passed away or my spouse passed away, and they named me the beneficiary of their account. I now own an inherited IRA. What does it mean for me? Well, just as withdrawals were taxable for the person who passed away, whoever inherits that IRA, the withdrawals are taxable for them as well. And so the rules are going to be dependent upon whether or not the person that passed away was your spouse or your non-spouse. So um, Pat, when you said inherited IRA, that leads me to believe that this is a what's also known as beneficiary or decedent IRA. This came from somebody that was not your spouse? That's correct. Okay. And so uh, Pat is having to make withdrawals based on his own life expectancy. It was set up the year after uh, the person passed away. Now, Pat, to answer your question, yeah, you can transfer this. Um, it's very important with these types of accounts that you transfer it direct custodian to custodian. Unlike the other IRAs, you're not allowed to get the funds and have 60 days to put it back and do a new IRA. So, but you could work with a qualified advisor who could help you show you exactly how you could transfer it out of the custody of the existing firm into the new firm. Now, before you jump to that, you need to make sure that this makes sense for you, that the account that you have now is not working, you're not happy with it, the level of services are not there, the performance is not there, whatever it is, to make sure that it's in your best interest to do this. And you had expressed interest in working with us. We're certainly very happy to have you do that. We have offices in Scottsdale, Phoenix, and uh, Tempe. And so we're very happy to uh, help you with that, Pat, and figuring out what is in your best interest. How ideally can you manage the account? Uh, how should it be invested? How do we handle the tax requirements and obligations of distributions and all that kind of good stuff? 
So we certainly invite you to call us at 888-PLAN-RICK. The same number you dialed here is the same number you call us anytime you like. And uh, just let us know you want to talk with one of our colleagues, and we'll get you set up to do that. Stay tuned for more of our questions right here on The Rick Edelman Show. with the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Truth About Your Future, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Thanks for joining us on The Rick Edelman Show today. Triple H, Plan Rick, whenever you've got a financial question, online at ricedelman.com. I'm in the studio here with Brandon Corso, financial planner at Edelman Financial Services, one of our 160-odd financial planners. No, I don't mean that our financial planners are odd, but we have – never mind. You know what I mean. I'm not odd. No, you're not, you're not odd. Okay. You're, 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 uh, I'm fun. You're an end. Remember that old George Carlin joke? Um, you got 123 odds and ends on the table and 122 of them roll off. What do you have left, an odd or an end? I'm the end. You're an end. Okay. You're not an I'll take it. You're an end. Uh, So we're heading off to Chevrolet, Maryland uh, to talk with Dee. Hello, Dee. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And thank you so much for taking my call. Oh, our pleasure. How can we help? I first want to thank you for all that you do with with public television, the Girls and Boys Club, your podcast, your seminars, your website, and your radio show. I listen and or watch all. So thanks so much for your support. Oh, well, you're very welcome. I appreciate your comments. (laughs) I will be 50 this year, and I am trying to figure out how important it is for me to invest in a financial planner when I don't have the traditional responsibilities of someone my age. So I've never been married. I have no children. I have no siblings. Uh, My father passed many years ago. My mother's in an assisted living facility. She has dementia. I do have a 401k plan that has about 250000 in it. I have some savings. I have no student loans, and I have no credit card debt. How about a mortgage? I, I do have a mortgage. What's the value of your house? Um, it's probably about one sixty-five, one hundred sixty-five. And what's the mortgage balance? One hundred twelve. Okay. And you said you had two hundred fifty thousand dollars plus other savings. How much in other savings? About thirty thousand. Okay. And you're still working, yes? Yes. And what's your annual income? Um, right now I'm part-time, so it's probably about 20000 And what is your uh, monthly expenses? Oh, about $1,200. So you're in really good financial condition. Oh. Did you know that? No. Brandon, yeah. explain. <laughs> oh, and th- I love this, Dee, because when Rick said you're in really good financial condition, how he's gleaning that is by looking at a number of things, but... I want to focus on the income and the expenses because you have a relatively small income at this point. You say you're working part-time. The annual income is around $20,000. But if your expenses are lower than your income or around the same number, then your chances of succeeding both pre-retirement and post-retirement are so much higher because we'll hear from people that have higher incomes than you. But they don't have enough income. Their expenses are higher than their income. So you've accumulated uh, a large amount of money, especially, I'll add, for the level of expenses you have. So you mentioned you're part-time. Do you plan to stay part-time or do you anticipate going back full-time? I anticipate going back full-time. 
and I'll take it a step further with $250,000 of investments and no heirs to be concerned about, no surviving spouse to have to protect. D is capable of generating 12 grand a year, a thousand bucks a month off of her investments. And we haven't even taken into consideration social security, which she'll be eligible for in 12 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. And when you factor all of that in, along with the fact that she owns a home and is paying down the mortgage over the next 10, 15 years, that mortgage will continue to get paid down. The value of the house likely will continue to grow. I think that, D, you're in excellent financial condition. I'm not saying that past performance indicates future results or that you won't ever experience volatility, but I don't think you need to be terribly concerned about running out of money based on your lifestyle. Now, the okay. only major wrinkle would be the potential for long-term care costs. Right, okay. You've seen this with your mom, who right. is in uh, right. a facility at this point, and you see the expenses right. that she's incurring. Yes. So yeah. it would make sense, Brandon, do you not think, uh, for D to consider a long-term care insurance policy? I do, I do. Um, it's interesting. When we talk to people about long-term care risks, so often their attitude is impacted by whether or not they've seen it impact primarily their parents, right? But if it's not their parents, another loved one or family member. And so, you know, Dee, you've seen it. I think you mentioned your mom um, has Alzheimer's. And so right. you know what the expenses can be. So I yes. do think it makes sense for you to consider. I don't know for sure that it makes sense for you to get a policy. We'd have to identify the different types of policies, the pros and cons of each to determine, okay, which might make the most sense for you. But as you make your list of all the things that financially you need to take care of, uh, this is certainly something to have on the list. Okay. Can, let me change gears just a little bit, Dee. Um, are you involved with your mom? Have you helped her find the right um, facility? Are you visiting? What level of engagement do you have there? Yes, all of that. All so of that. I played an instrumental part in um, getting her to the facility that she's at at the moment. And so I can only imagine you've spent a lot of time, a lot of love. Spent, yes. Okay. Yes, so yes. we hear that. And so you love your mom dearly, and you've been incredibly helpful to her. I want you to fast forward and think down the road because you did mention that you uh, are not married and you don't have children. Right, I want right. you to make sure you are picking a good advocate for yourself because whether God forbid something happens uh, before retirement, like right. uh, you know a stroke uh, or something later in your life, if you need help um, and you can't handle your own financial affairs uh, and beyond just the finances, your affairs in general you've got to have a good advocate. And so as we see people who don't have, you know, the family and children like you, it's something right. that we kind of stress. You've got to have an advocate. So you've got to have documents in place. You have to keep them current. You have to communicate with who you've selected to make sure, again, if you ever need somebody that is going to truly look out for your best interest, those people and those documents are in place. And you're talking about a medical directive, durable powers of right. attorney, health care powers okay. of attorney, and, and the like. So it's a big part of the estate planning conversation. In addition to the investment management conversation, the long-term care evaluation, all of that very, very crucial for you. Um, and bottom line is, D, you're in great shape right now. In fact, you're so good, you're going to get the applause of the day. 
Um, you're really, really in excellent shape. You're doing everything right. And now we just want to make sure we tweak the plan correctly to make sure it stays that way. Um, you're in Chevrolet, Maryland. We've got offices in Silver Spring, Maryland, not far from you. Happy to help you out and make sure we can implement all these for you to give you and help make sure you enjoy the peace of mind that you uh, richly deserve. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome, Dee. Just call us at 888-PLAN-RICK so we can help you, and we'd be honored to do so. I will do that. Dee, thanks so much for your phone call. I'm Rick Edelman, in with Brandon Corso, here on The Rick Edelman Show, 888-PLAN-RICK. So if you or a friend or family member are dealing with an inheritance or estate planning issue, here's a way you can learn a little more. We've created a webinar on estate planning, and it covers the importance of family dynamics and how to begin thinking about the question, who gets what? Plus, we'll give you information on the common mistakes people make and the one thing you must do when it comes to wills and trusts. You can watch the webinar for free. It's simple and easy. Just go to edelmanfinancial.com slash seminars. Scroll down for the list of webinars and you'll see estate planning. So again, go to edelmanfinancial.com slash seminars. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Truth About Money, 888-PLAN-RICK, online at ricedelman.com. More of your calls when we come back. Learn how to diversify your investments. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Investments. Try Rick's free guide to portfolio selection at rickedelman.com. back to the program. Rick Edelman here. You're listening to The Truth About Money. And uh, very happy Veterans Weekend to all of our current and retired former members of the military. Uh, we, uh, like all Americans, celebrate the, the sacrifice and service for our country that you have so selflessly done for so many years. Let's uh, continue with our telephone calls. With me, Brandon Corso. We're taking your questions at 888-PLAN-RICK. California, Ben's on the air. Welcome to the program, Ben. How are you? Yes. And I just wanted to thank you, Gene, the entire firm. And I really thank all you do. We, we own all your books, with one exception. I haven't bought the most recent one. So really appreciate all you guys do. And I have a quick question on taxes. I'm 59. I anticipate during my 60s, I'm going to be in a 0% tax bracket, but in my 70s, as I start taking IRA distributions and collect uh, Social Security, I'll be at least 28%, probably even higher. So I'm considering 
starting to take some IRA distributions or IRA Roth conversions during my 60s, at least up to the 15% tax bracket to try and reduce that tax rate later in my 70s and 80s. Just wondered what you thought. Ben, thank you so much for your kind comments. I really appreciate it. Brandon, what should Ben do? Yeah, Ben, have you had somebody just double check your work, either a tax advisor, financial planner to look at your numbers and in fact, verify that you're right, that as you retire, you're going to really be in the 0% bracket? Uh, No, quite frankly, I've done that myself. Okay, because I think it's a good idea. And if you're correct, if in fact that whether it's your itemized deductions or you're taking the standard deduction and your personal exemptions are higher than your income, and in fact you won't have any tax to pay, then it would be a good idea to actually pull money out of your IRA, creating a tax that, if you're right, is not taxed or maybe in the 10% bracket. So I would just verify those numbers, make sure they're right, and then the answer would be it would make sense to do that. Initially, I was thinking just doing a uh, distribution But how about a Roth conversion as opposed to a distribution? Yeah, I'd be okay with that. As you know, they're both taxable in the same way. So if you just take money out of your retirement account or your IRA, it's taxable as ordinary income. If instead you say, if $10,000 is the amount that you can take out literally tax-free, then the other alternative is to say, well, I'm going to convert $10,000 of my IRA to a Roth. Tax-wise, it's the same. So I would go that route if you don't need the money. If it's just going to sit in the bank, then you'd be better off leaving it invested for the long term and doing, we'd call it a partial Roth conversion, would make sense. Perfect. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. You're You're very welcome, Ben. Thanks to you for the phone call. Yes, I'm eating on the Rick Edelman show because I didn't eat anything yet today and I'm hungry. And I kind of like the idea of eating during the show. It's very efficient. So they say not to talk with a mouthful, so I'm going to let Brandon do the talking. Is We're this off- the first time in 25 years? I don't think I've ever remembered to hear you eating on the show before. No, I don't think I ever have. I have done the show with a fever uh, where I took my temperature throughout the show and was tracking it <laughs> like the stock market, uh, and I hit a peak of like 101.3. But uh, no, I don't think I've ever actually eaten anything on the show. And I never drink anything because, heaven forbid, liquid you know gets spilled all over all the um, equipment, which I've seen others. Have you do. ever had hiccups on the show before? I've never had the hiccups. I've never sneezed on the air. That's um, there is. I think adrenaline does it. I think yeah. you know, you just as soon as you go to break, you might cough or whatever. There is a cough button in the studio which turns the mic off. So if I have to cough, you all don't have to hear that. But um, no, I don't think I've ever eaten on the air. That's really tacky. But uh, I'm hungry. What can but I here tell we you? are. But here we are. <laughs> so let's go to Franklin, Massachusetts. Bob is with us on the program. How are you, Bob? I'm fine, thank you, and yourself. Terrific. Uh, what can we do to help? I'm four to six years away from retirement. I have a retirement portfolio consisting of 54% stocks, 7% bonds, and the rest in cash. Now, I realize my portfolio requires more bonds to make it more diversified. You've been warning us about the negative impact rising rates will have on bonds, especially long-term bonds. Mm-hmm. Given my portfolio is out of balance, are there any type of bond funds you would recommend today, or should I not invest in bond funds at all? Yeah, this is an interesting predicament, isn't it, Brandon? On the one hand, we're telling people that you need to maintain a highly diversified portfolio, meaning a mix of stocks and bonds. And on the other hand, we're saying, but wait, bonds run the risk of losing value due to rising interest rates. So those two statements are inherently in conflict. And it's harder for somebody like Bob, who is either Bob's nearing retirement, but for all the people out there that are already retired, you kind of get it that you can't put all your money in stocks, right? So we've lived through, 
in the not-too-distant past some pretty big market drops. And so, Bob, you're right to be a little bit cautious about, okay, how much do you have in stocks as you're approaching retirement? But there are types of bonds that you can and you should own. So we still are around all-time lows in interest rates. The Fed has started to raise rates. There have been a couple bumps. But if you look at longer-term rates, which the Fed does not control, they haven't gone up very much. So we're still at the risk of rising rates. And when that happens, or if that happens, if interest rates go up, the value of bonds falls. But there's a heck of a big difference between how much a bond would fall in value if it matures in a year as opposed to 30 years. And so if you have those long-term bonds that are maturing in 20, 25, 30 years, if rates go up, you're going to see a big drop. And so to answer your question, Bob, you need to have bonds that are short and intermediate in maturity. That's how you're going to mitigate interest rate risk. You don't get rid of it completely, but you will lessen it by having short and midterm bonds. Okay. Any opinion on adding uh, foreign bonds or emerging market bonds into the mix? A little bit of everything. So whether it's within the stock component to, to the portfolio or the bond component, if you're going to pick one type, you lack diversification. So I want you to have U.S. government. I want you to have corporate mostly or maybe even exclusively high quality. So be very careful about high yield. Be very careful about muni bonds. We are not a fan of muni bonds. And international bonds may be emerging market. Be more careful on the international side. You need a little bit of everything. That's what builds the diversification. And let me elaborate why you need to be a little more careful on the international side. You're not only dealing with interest rates going up and down, you're also dealing with foreign currency exchange rates going up and down. So it's a double-edged sword. So for that reason, you want to be very careful about how much money you allocate to emerging market bonds and uh, foreign bonds. Would it be better to get one that's hedged back to U.S. dollars? Therein lies the other decision you're going to make if you're going to invest in international bonds. Let me explain what that means, Bob, for everybody listening in. So Rick explained that if you're going to buy a foreign bond, let's pretend that the value of the foreign currency falls. Guess what? The value of that foreign bond fund fell as well. And so therein lies that second component of risk. So there are funds where you hedge against that. And so if the foreign currency where the foreign bond resides falls, the bond value doesn't fall. But there's a cost associated with that. So it's one of the many things that you're going to have to analyze in figuring out what is the right bond fund or funds, because you're going to have a number that is going to be the right mix in your portfolio. And to figure out exactly what your asset allocation should look like, in other words, how much of your money should be in stocks versus bonds, and for the bond component, how much should be U.S. or corporate, how much should be high quality versus high yield, how much should be emerging market or foreign market, etc., uh, we'll give you two answers. One is to go to our website at rickedelman.com and use our GPS, the Guide to Portfolio Selection. You'll answer a bunch of questions. It, it takes two minutes. It's fast, it's fun, and it's free. And it will show you, based on your answers, what your asset allocation should look like for your situation. If you want to do it more thoroughly and more accurately based on your goals and objectives, along with the entire spectrum of your financial planning situation, call us on the phone at 888-PLAN-RICK or visit us at rickedelman.com and click that red button. I want to talk to an advisor and sit down with one of our colleagues, not for two minutes on the web, but for two hours in a meeting so that we can pour through your entire financial situation and then recommend for you 
the asset allocation model that we believe would be most appropriate for your circumstances and in your best interest. So you can do it either way, Bob, really fast, really easy and free on the website and get a good answer. Or you can meet with one of our colleagues, go through it more thoroughly, comprehensively, and get a great answer. Either way, it's up to you. And we've got offices throughout Massachusetts. You're uh, in Franklin, so we can very easily handle this for you. Uh, Just give us that opportunity to do so, and we'd be happy to. Okay, I appreciate your time, and thanks for the advice. You're very welcome. Bob called us at 888-PLAN-RICK. You can do the very same. That's 888-752-6742. And again, our GPS, the Guide to Portfolio Selection, is available for you for free at rickedelman.com. Now, you almost said fun. I've heard you say before the GPS is free and it's fun and it's fast. So my question is, is it more fun to do the GPS or sit down with an advisor? That's a really good question. Personally, I think the advisor is more fun because it's that human dynamic. And the- with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Interplay in the development of the relationship and the, the direction, as you know, well know, takes a life of its own based on what's of interest and of a, of a concern to the client and what our own observations are with our experience uh, and expertise in the subject. We raise issues the client never thought to raise. The GPS is a, is a computer-based algorithm that we've created, and it's good at what it does, but it's preset in the questions it asks, and it doesn't vary in the answers that it provides. So it's, I think it's a lot more fun and entertaining and interesting and informative to meet with a human being. See, I, I was hoping you would go there. In, in other words, I'm a little bit more fun than the GPS, than the computer. Yeah, but Brandon, in your case, you're only a little bit more. Uh, that's fair. And that's the advisor saying that. I guess it's up to you to determine <laughs> what's more fun. By the way, are you hungry? You want to have some of this? It doesn't look very good. No. I, I didn't make the mistake of missing uh, my meal. Yeah, but thank you. Um, boy, is Gene going to be mad at me uh, for missing that meal. Triple H Plan Rick online at ricedelman.com. More of your calls when we come back. For free articles on personal finance, sign up for Rick's email update at rickedelman.com. Back triple eight to plan Rick for your financial questions online at ricestellman.com. I'm eating on the Rick Edelman show because I didn't eat anything yet today and I'm hungry. Okay. 
but honey, that's not your problem because, and in fact, honey is really helping me out because she's from Little Egg Harbor. How perfect is I that? Am. Uh, <laughs> in New Jersey. So, Connie, welcome to the program. You're on the air with Brandon Corso and a mouth filled Rick Edelman. How can we help? Well, I hope you're enjoying your breakfast or um, lunch. I, uh, I'm not, but I'm really hungry, oh. so it'll do. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I'm not enjoying the sleepless night, so maybe we can work things out here. Okay. What are you um, sleepless about? I'm trying to take a, a serious look at our financial plan, especially considering the pending sale of a property that I've owned. And, um, oh, gosh, I don't know where to begin. I was self-employed at 24. I owned a business for 30 years, had great income, and then traumatic experience. I had a cancer diagnosis, lost my business, and, of course, my financial footing. So oh on top of that, we had uh, we had lost over 100000 with a very large investment company, which I won't name. All right, now I have, a, I have a great tax advisor and a financial planner, but with the uh, sale of this house, I've just always had a really bad relationship mm. with money. Oh, my. And, um, you know, right now I'm, I'm, I'm real happy that uh, my financial planner had, had put us into this uh, VOIA, a company where I'm, I'm now getting two, two monthly checks, which is great. Um, I have my Social Security disability, um, which I never expected to be getting at such a young age, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I have that, the two monthly VOIA checks, my Social Security income, and my husband's a uh, still a working man. So we're just we're just kind of thinking about what what to do with this 300k um, once that. And that the comes the 300k in. is money you already have, or it's just no, that's the... coming in from the sale of a property that, that got I it. Owned. And is that the only asset you have? Pretty much right now. Got yeah. it. Well, I I own a house that I'm living in here in Little Lake with your husband. Correct. Okay. And what is your monthly expenses? Good question. That's why I asked it. it. (laughs) Not really good at a tough question like that. (laughs) We don't have a mortgage on on this house in Little Egg, so Mm -hmm. we're just, you know, utilities. And our property taxes are high, of course. Expenses are about, what, $1,500 a month? So, Connor, you have more income coming in from, you mentioned, two annuities and the Social Security disability than the expenses? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And yeah. so on the sale of the property, have you looked at and figured what your tax liability is going to be so you know ultimately what the taxes will be, when you have to pay it, and how much you're going to have at your disposal? There's not going to be a tax liability, thank goodness. Okay, terrific. So you've done that planning. Good. So Correct. do you, you don't foresee needing income from the 300000 Is that right? Well, that's, a, that's a, an interesting question. Do I need income from the three hundred? I, I guess what I'm looking at is, is you know, a safe investment which will generate i mean we i've never spent money all these years <laughs> i've been so conservative and and living really you know below my means so now i feel at this stage of my life i i want to be able to maybe start thinking about replacing a 10 year old car or taking some trips or spending some money you know with with family but i i don't know how i don't know, I don't know what i'm doing no now. no I, you're doing the right thing you're reaching out you're getting help but i i right. what i'm and rick and i are trying to encourage you to do is to ask all of these questions, because by answering them, it's going to help us determine what is the right thing to do with that money. You mentioned a new car, perhaps a vacation. One of the things you're going to need to think about is, okay, what expenses are coming? You've got to get your crystal ball out and say in the next six or 12 months, what are one-time expenses that, quite frankly, I might use from the sale proceeds? I want want you to look more closely at your expenses. You said they're $1,500 a month, which is low, but you need to verify that, and you need to project forward. 
moving okay. through retirement, are your expenses going to change? So all right. of these things are going to impact what the right thing to do with that money is. But cool. I would say go slow. And you need to make sure that you don't make any big bets. We've never been, been a fan of putting a lot of money in one type investment because – you know, with your luck, it's the wrong type of investment. So right. diversification is going to be at the core of what we do. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, but to, to do this properly, I think you need to look at, look at it holistically, look at what the expenses are now, as I said. Um, and it sounds like you need to do this with an advisor. You, you started by saying you have a good one. So why aren't you, have you asked these questions to that person? Yes, I've already been in touch with him, and he knows that the, the sale of the house is coming up soon. I already kind of gave him a heads up on that, and we do plan to get together once the uh, property closes, and I'm sure he'll have you know some good advice. I just know you guys are expert in the field, and I thought that I'd get another very well-rounded opinion as to, you know, when someone drops a $300 check in your lap, where do you where do you go with that? I mean, yeah. I could have a party and spend it, or I could, you know, we don't have kids. Victor and I were never blessed with children, so we don't really have to worry about, you know, necessarily leaving money to, mm -hmm. you know, you know, family members, you know, immediate family members, you know, it's like that old, you know, idea of trying to, you know, you don't want to outlive your money, but you don't want to end up passing away and, and, and leaving money, you know, behind that you could have very well enjoyed. You exactly know, right. Kind of like I've worked all my life, so I want to be able to enjoy the fruits of my labor, but I, I certainly need to know what I'm entitled to spending. And that, that whole budget thing is such a uncertainty. Well, know, I'm glad you sought out a second opinion. That's always wise thing to do. Uh, tell me about your other advisor. Is this an advisor who you pay a fee to or commissions? Fee. Okay. And uh, the advisor is acting in a fiduciary capacity. Are they a registered investment advisor? Correct. Good. I'm glad that you're dealing with that kind of an advisor yeah. because a lot of folks don't realize there's a difference between advisors. Absolutely. Some some are registered investment advisors like Brandon and me and all of us right. at Edelman Financial Services where we operate on a fee basis. We're not earning commissions from the sale of investment products. Uh, and we are fiduciaries under the law, meaning we serve your best interests. Other financial yeah. advisors uh, are traditional stockbrokers or insurance agents who earn commissions for a living by selling insurance products, annuity products, mutual fund products, investment products, and the like. I hasten to add that registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training I'm glad you're dealing with a fee-based, fiduciary-oriented uh, advisor. That's really terrific. And, uh, and he's real conservative because I've already contacted him about some of the things I've been looking at online and stuff. And he's he said, I, I can't endorse that, Connie. I'm not, I'm not in favor of that for you and your husband. So. Good. Good. So what you might want to do, Connie, is after you get the specific recommendations from your other advisor, share them with us. And that oh. way we can give, they're very specific of saying, okay, here's what your other advisor has recommended. We can make sure right. you have full disclosure. You understand the, the details associated, the risks, the fees, uh, the potential benefits, uh, and so on. The risks associated and everything else um, germane to the uh, recommendations. Just to make right. sure that you have full disclosure and you know everything going on. And we'll tell you if we right. think the recommendations are terrific. We'll be happy to pat you on the back, send you on your way. Or if there's yeah. a little red flag or something you hadn't considered potentially, we'll let you know that too. Okay, one quick question before I go. I have an old stock certificate, and I don't know what to do with it. I don't want to just throw it in the garbage. I don't know how to find out if um, what I bought, I think it was the first stock I ever bought, and it was only for 50 shares of a company. But is there a, a contact inf any contact information you could provide to find out if, in fact, these shares are worth anything? And We can do I that for you. Just, really? uh, just email us a photocopy of the stock certificate. Okay, great. Yeah, I was tucked away in a file. I didn't even remember yeah. that I cool. had it. Cool. Hey, was, if you're lucky, it's yeah. Microsoft. Can you <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. 
Yeah, luck that luck isn't my middle name. <laughs> people in a contest, I wouldn't have the winning ticket. So, unfortunately, I've had to rely on hard work. And, well, and you know what, you know what, Connie, I think you're doing yeah. a whole lot better than you're giving yourself credit for. Well, that sounds good. On that note, okay, great. Hmm. Thanks you so much for calling. You can do what Connie did. Triple eight plan Rick is the phone number. Triple eight seven five two sixty seven forty two. If you want a second opinion like Connie, if you have an old stock certificate you found in a sock drawer, we're happy to help you get the answers you need to your financial questions. Feel free to call us anytime you like. Triple eight plan Rick. That's triple eight seven five two sixty seven forty two. Stay with us. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Providing personal finance advice for over 25 years. This is The Rick Edelman Show. This is The Rick Edelman Show. Now... Here's Rick Edelman. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Truth About Money. Rick Edelman here. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we're at an all-time high in the stock market. Uh, But, of course, that can change overnight. Are you prepared in your financial portfolio? If you need help, give us a call, 888-PLAN-RICK, online at rickedelman.com. And today, to help you work through all this, we're presenting uh, some recent phone calls that will help you focus on the long term and avoid the temptation to act on what you might be seeing or hearing in the news. Remember, if you need help right now, call us. Don't put it off. 888-PLAN-RICK. Or visit us at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. Let's go right back to your questions. Brandon Corso is in the studio with me. Together, we're talking to Don in San Diego. Hi, Don. How are you? Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Regarding the issue of rebalancing within a diversified portfolio, what do you do If you suddenly discover that over the last few rebalances, you seem to be infusing or providing more capital to the same loser, (laughs) how do you know when to kick it out of the mix? Or, in other words, is it a falling knife or am I just averaging down? What criteria do you use to keep it there or kick it out? Well, there's, there's one very easy way to tell. Are you investing in a specific security or are you investing in a class of securities? I'm talking about asset classes. Okay. So if you're talking about something such as large cap value stocks or uh, Asian growth stocks or commercial real estate sector, 
then you're perfectly fine because every dog has its day. If we look at all 18 or so major asset classes and market sectors over the last 10, 20, 30 years, you'll discover at any given time something's doing great and something's not. But over long periods of time, they're all going to survive. In other words, it's easy to say the airline industry will always be here. That's not necessarily the same as saying Pan Am is a fabulous airline stock to buy. Sure. Even though Pan Am back in the 50s was the biggest, best airline. So it's important to stay focused on the sector as opposed to the individual companies within that sector. That helps you avoid the syndrome of catching a falling knife or what Wall Street often refers to as the dead cat bounce. Um, yes. That annoys some cat lovers, but does that make sense? Yes. In other words, don't get upset about the fact that you keep putting money into an asset class that keeps going down. Because eventually the asset class will recover. That's the theory. Okay, what I just said. The theory is the asset class will eventually recover. And you have been buying shares at increasingly lower prices so that when the recovery occurs, your recovery will be much faster than if you had done nothing at all. Okay. Now, you've got to ask yourself the question, is what I just said true? Will that asset class, in fact, eventually recover? Will you be able to remain invested in it for as long as it might take for that recovery to occur? I have no way of knowing. That's a key element, though, because if you were facing 2008 and watching the stock market go down and were buying as it went down, you would be watching your investments continue to go down in value for months and months and months and months and months. And if you suddenly had to sell to pay bills, you would have sold while they were still down in value. On the other hand, if you could have sat it out and continued patiently waiting for the recovery, you would have been amply rewarded over time. So you have to be able to ask yourself the question. You have to be able to answer this question. Will I be able to remain fully invested long enough for the recovery to eventually occur. And if you aren't confident that you can, then you shouldn't be engaged in the strategy. That makes sense. Brandon? No, I think the the big thing you said is patience. So, Don, do you want to share with us what the asset category is that uh, you feel like you're continually buying low? I have my well, guesses. That's have, why I'm asking. I didn't have anyone in particular in mind it was more of a general question that if if I look through my portfolio and I say, gee, the last three or four times I've rebalanced, I seem to be uh, feeding the same kid over and over here without any benefit. Well, I, I'll, I'll raise one for you, Brandon. Energy. Oil and gas. Because let's face it, oil prices are down well over 50% over the past couple of years. And nobody's anticipating oil prices to go back to where they were. Uh, we are having a major shift going on technologically away from fossil fuels and into renewable resources. And there's an incredible amount of bearishness about the energy sector. We share it. We're moving our clients' portfolios away from energy, not Totally, not exclusively, not right. exclusively, not completely, but we are reducing the allocation strategically for our clients over time because of this fundamental shift going on in the marketplace. Uh, you could have a similar attitude about bonds. As interest rates go up, bond values go down. So for that reason, we have already long ago made the shift away from long-term bonds to avoid the risk that those assets could suffer a sustained, severe decline in price. So... You do have to pay attention to the nature of that knife to determine whether or not you want to keep playing with it 
as opposed to running the risk of catching it as it's falling. And that's why I go back to you, Don, to ask the question, are you confident that you will continue owning this asset class for as long as it might take for a recovery to occur? And are you confident that, in fact, a recovery is possible? Because that's the premise of the entire rebalancing strategy. Well, I'd have to rethink that whole idea at my age. Probably the answer would be no. (laughs) If that's true, and that's terrific self-awareness, then that helps you determine what your future asset allocation ought to be, as well as your rebalancing approach. You're absolutely right. And it's always a good idea to get a second opinion rather than figuring this out on your own. Uh, So I would encourage you, since you live in Southern California, to let us help you. We have offices throughout uh, Southern California as well as uh, the Bay Area. And we'd be happy to sit down, take a look at your portfolio, compare that to your circumstances, as well as your goals and objectives and risk tolerance to see if what you're doing is the strategy that is in your best interest. Thank you, Rick. You're very welcome, Don. Brandon, anything you want to add? No, I, I, I think when you're looking at all the different categories you invest in and you're trying to determine, am I really invested in all of them for the long term? And you're going to make a determination that, you know what? No, maybe this one is going to be removed permanently from my account. When you're trying to make those big, I would call them big decisions based on your money and your portfolio, getting a second opinion it can't be a bad idea, whether or not you are going to listen to a different opinion or change your strategy or your approach. We'll figure that out. But these big decisions, don't you don't have to feel like you have to do it alone. And if you have a portfolio that has a preponderance of oil and gas stocks or a heavy allocation to long-term bonds, you should pick up the phone and call us at 888-PLAN-RIC. Head to our website at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. Click that red button. I want to talk to an advisor because if you've got a bunch of energy stocks in your portfolio, if you have a lot of long-term bonds in your portfolio, you might want to rethink that asset allocation and the rebalancing into it because you might be catching the knife that Don is trying to avoid. Don, thanks so much for calling. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm Rick Edelman, and I'm in the studio with Brandon Corso, Triple Eight Plan Rick, online at ricestellman.com. For a wealth of information on personal finance, go to the education page at rickedelman.com. We're taking telephone calls here on The Rick Edelman Show, and to make sure I get it all right, we've got Brandon Corso with me in the studio, making sure that uh, you're getting the actual information you need. We're heading off to Columbus, Ohio. Joe, welcome to the program. How are you? Very good, Rick. Thanks for taking the call. Happy to. I'm looking for some suggestions to preserve and protect our investments. Okay. I'm, I'm 72. My wife is 63. We live pretty comfortably on my teacher's pension of approximately 3300 a month. We're going to wait until probably my wife turns 70 to collect her 700 a month, approximately Social Security. We have no credit card debt, no mortgage, no car pay, 40000 approximately in checking savings. And what I'm interested in in our portfolio, um, I'd like to just cruise across the finish line 
with basically little or, or, or no risk. We, like I said, we have about 382,000. I've got um, 143,000 in an annuity that will give me about an $8,600 month or yearly payout lifetime. I've got, uh, unfortunately, I took out a $200,000 life insurance policy that I'm paying 350 a month for because of the decision I made in 98 when I retired to take a half-life pension for my wife, uh, thinking that if things were to go as they were in the 90s, that we would have two to three times what we have now. But, uh, of course, uh, oh, we all know what happened in 01 and 08. And, uh, so, so real succinctly, you want to make sure that the money you've got is going to be preserved and generate the income you need for the rest of your life. And I don't want to lose, lose again. And I just want to cruise to the end. Well, when you say you don't want to lose again, uh, what did you, what happened in 2008? How much money did you lose during that period? Oh, Lordy, about 20 or 30,000. And did you sell your investments during that period? No. No, we just uh, wrote it out, and obviously... So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Brandon, did he lose any money? I think not. So, Joe, if you didn't sell anything, I I suspect the prices have come back and the values are at perhaps all-time highs. Exactly. All right, so good for you for not acting, right? Because that was a big market drop. Mm -hmm. It was a big percentage loss, I suspect, and it was scary. You were scared just like every other investor, but you didn't react. But here you are today saying you don't want it to happen again. Was it so traumatic that you're just unwilling to see the prices and the values move up and down. You don't want to see any of that volatility. Exactly. (laughs) Because you started by saying you want to protect your money. And I think Rick was going to get to, well, protect it from what? Protect it from the volatility, protect it from market losses, protect it from inflation risk. What is it to be sure we're understanding? Another 10 or 20% uh, drop in the market whenever that happens. And if it does, um, I just don't want to have to uh, not not start over, but you don't want to have to go long. through. You don't want to have to go through the pain of the right. decline. You'd rather not go through that. Okay, exactly. So and, I would like any suggestions for either low risk or no risk. How is the money invested now, Joe? Is it uh, <clears throat> in cash? How is it sitting now? I've I've, I've got one hundred forty two thousand in equities, traded funds, and mutual funds, being the bulk of it, about ninety four thousand. I've got uh, uh, a non-qualified annuity uh, that's given me about 1.5 uh, and about 41,000, and I've got the IRA of 143,000, and the and the life insurance which I'm paying um, because of the uh, half-life annuity I took from my wife in '98. So, Joe, you started by saying that you're living comfortably on your pension alone, so you do not exactly. need at this point any income from your investments. We, we no, we've never drawn on it. Okay, and social security for your wife has not started, so you're going to have that bump up in income. What about long term care? Have you planned for the possibility that either you or your wife mm. or both are going to have high expenses because of long term care? Um, not really. We haven't. We don't have the long term care insurance. Because I think we do need to factor that into the, what's right with your investments. What I like is that you have accumulated a lot of money and you don't need income. So if your objective is very low or no volatility, if you can right. convince me that, in fact, you do not need income, then you could put your money theoretically in CDs 
and still right. achieve your goals. We do need to factor right. in long-term care. We need to look at if you predecease your wife or vice versa, is the survivor going to be okay? And because you don't need income, you're in a position of strength. And perhaps if you say, you know what, I don't want to play the investing game anymore, if you can right. achieve your goals, then bank CDs or U.S. Treasuries or something where you can say, I can't lose my money, I'm not going to see a lot of volatility, may, may be what's best for you. Okay. Well, that, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, wh what about uh, more money in an annuity, a non-qualified annuity? I think you evaluate that. I, it concerns me because I think if you look at the pros and cons of non-qualified annuities, from our perspective, there are more cons than pros. They are often mm -hmm. illiquid. They sometimes do not provide the fixed rate of return that you can get in other investments that have comparable risk. So uh, I would be very careful about doing that. But if you're looking to reposition all your assets, you mentioned you have a lot of money in stocks. You need to yes. be careful. You need to sit down and you need to factor all these things in because we need to look at transaction costs. We need to look at potentially oh. taxes if you were to sell. And so you are mm -hmm. a perfect candidate for looking at this holistically and not focusing just on trying to protect the money. I think if you go that route, you do yourself a little bit of a disservice. Look at it holistically. If you don't feel comfortable doing it, it makes sense to take the time to sit down with an advisor who can help you do it. Okay. All righty. Uh, Joe, I, I think you're worrying about nothing. I think you're working yourself up all into a tizzy over it for no reason. You're j you have $380,000 in investments, yes? Yes. Brandon, what kind of an income could he generate off of that? Well, he d he's mentioned he doesn't need income. No, I know he can. I, I got you. So, but he's got I'm, I'm basically looking at income for for my wife when I'm gone. I understand that. All right, he's putting me on the spot, oh. Joe. So, Brandon, okay. if you if he invests $380,000, what income stream on a monthly basis oh. is reasonable to assume? So, I would look at about a 3% income stream that comes to around $12,000 a year or around $1,000 a month. Ignoring taxes, we'd need to look more closely, but I'm going to give you 1000 bucks a month. Rick. And that assumes no erosion in the value of the account. Now, depending on how it's invested, I think that that's accurate. So if he's invested in a very diversified, moderate-type portfolio, I would say that over long periods of time, and I'm not saying that past performance indicates future results or that you won't ever experience volatility, but we would expect that the returns would exceed or very likely exceed the 3% that he's withdrawing. In other words, Joe, now I'm going to go back to you. Ready? Okay. You're generating at the moment $3,300 a month in income. You said that's right. more than you need. Exactly. And you're going to be getting in the future another 700 bucks on top of that from mm. your wife's Social Security. Right. Bringing your income to $4,000 a month, which is more than you need. And you're capable of generating an additional $1,000 a month on top of that from your investment income opportunity. Mm-hmm. But you... when I die, yeah. my wife's pension goes down to about 1600 a month. But there's a $200,000 life insurance policy and yep. the $380,000 worth of investments. Because Brandon, I'll go back to Brandon now, Joe. Brandon, if we didn't care about preservation of principle, instead of getting 1000 bucks a month, how much do you suppose could be generated? I'd want to look at how long we need to generate the income, but perhaps $1,500 a month would be a number. So, Joe, you're worrying about nothing. 
you're worried about experiencing a decline in value in your investments, even though you wouldn't be liquidating those investments. You toughed it out last time. You would be able to tough it out again this time. You've got the value of the house. You've got the value of the life insurance. You've got the value of the investments. You've got the pension income, the social security income. You, my friend, and your wife are in excellent financial condition. Wow. Well, so even, you, even, even at our age. Especially at your age. I'd be more worried about it if you were 40 instead of 70. See, Joe, here's the thing. Now that you've retired and you're not creating that work income, that can be a traumatic experience for people who have always saved and invested. And all of a sudden, that income's not coming in. But look, you are living on fixed income. You've accumulated a lot of money that you don't need income from. You've won. I mean, I like that you want to be careful, and we need to talk about long-term care possibilities. I want to look at that life insurance policy more closely. Is it adequately funded? How does it work, et cetera? But the fact that you're not taking income, you've won. You should feel really good about that. And this is why an annuity is not a great idea for you. It's unnecessary. You'd be hmm. banking on the promises of the insurance company to fulfill their obligation to generate the income that is promised. And there's no reason for you to go in that direction. What I would encourage you to do, as Brandon has said, is to sit down with a financial advisor who can take a look at your overall situation, apply a greater degree of analysis and calculation to the numbers that Brandon and I have bandied about here on the show for you, to verify that they're accurate, to make sure that it is consistent with your goals and objectives, with your need for income and the expenses you're incurring today and potentially incurring in the future, coupled with your life expectancy. We've got an office in Columbus, so we're very happy to help yes. you. Call 888-PLAN-RICK and mm -hmm. uh, let us give you the verification. But I think you'll discover you're worrying yourself for no real reason. <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate the uh, conversation and thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling. That phone number again that Joe called, you can do the same. Is 888-752-6742. Or you can visit us online at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. Click that red button. I want to talk to an advisor. Stay with us. the publisher of the newsletter Inside Personal Finance, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. I'm Rick Edelman. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 
Joined here in the studio with Brandon Corso, Executive Director of Financial Planning at Edelman Financial Services. We're taking telephone calls, heading off to Ashburn, Virginia. Mark is on the phone with us. How are you doing, Mark? Welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. Hi, Brandon. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I've established a UTMA in my son's name, and uh, the primary goal was to get greater returns from savings. Uh, he had quite a pretty good sum of money and sitting in a savings account and you know earning 0.0001%. And uh, you know we were looking for a better way to uh, you know take advantage of uh, some longevity. At the time, he was roughly around eight years old, so this was this would be around. Uh, 2011. And so I established a UTMA with Vanguard putting in roughly around 16K uh, into the account. And, uh, you know, fast forward a few years, I've been doing a little research and uh, I come to find out that, uh, you know, obviously when he turns 18, he has access to this money, which has grown uh, quite significantly. Uh, What's the value of it now, Mark? About 26K. Okay. And he's 14 now. So when you opened the account, they didn't tell you that at age 18, the money was under his control? Uh, no, no. I, I did it through Vanguard online. Okay. So, so you didn't talk to any human? Uh, no, no. Okay. Just through some of my own research on looking at uh, you know what, what options were out there. And, and had you known that that was going to happen, would you have still done it? You know, probably not. Yeah. And there, there's a couple of things, right? One, obviously, we want to get greater growth. And, you know, I've got a – his portfolio is pretty much – Yeah, but there are other ways to accomplish that goal than using an account that makes the money his at age 18. Yeah, and, and looking at it now, I probably would have set up a trust. Yeah, uh, and so that's, that's, that's kind of my point. That, that's kind of my point. So I want to say kudos to you and your son. Age eight, he's got 16 grand. Congratulations. It's fabulous. On that sense, you get the applause of the day uh, for doing a really good job at saving at a young age and doing so in the financial markets, not at a zero-point-nothing bank account. So all that's great. Where I'm going to give you some chastising, you know where this is going, Oh, I do. Is in the fact that you didn't talk to an advisor. You just went online, pressed a few clicks on a mouse, and now you got yourself in the potential of a pickle. Hopefully, your parental influence will win the day, and your 18-year-old isn't going to say, what color's the Corvette? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and part of that goal would be a couple things. One is, you know, obviously, if he did want a car to go to, you know, college and then offset um, any education costs, although I have his education fully funded. Um, so I don't think that's really going to be an issue. I, I know financial aid is another concern, usually with UTMAs, because it's in his name. Uh, but it would be a great start to, you know, looking at a home, you know, paying for a car, just kind of a, a good jump start. But yeah, so uh, you you need know, to I, do... I worry about being smart. Exactly. You need to make sure that you're engaging your son now. He's aware of the existence of the account, I assume? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Well, he's going to have to become aware at age 18, and I recommend you start talking about it now uh, and start to provide education over the opportunities and responsibilities associated with this money, how uh, he shouldn't treat it like a piggy bank. He ought to be looking at this with the attitude of how can this support my current needs, my future needs, and my long-term needs. You cited three very well, car, college, and home. So we want to have him start to think about this maturely and give him several years to develop this thought process with education that goes along with it. Because if he suddenly discovers this thing at age 18 upon his birthday, he'll think he hit the lottery. And we want to avoid that emotional response. 
Yeah, so uh, so I guess my two initial questions, one is, is there any way out of this? Um, meaning that, you know, can I back out of it? And some of the research I've done says not without a great deal of pain. Uh, and then, you know, is there, so I'd like to hear your comment on that. And then finally, uh, is there a way to delay it to 21? Because I have seen where it could be 18 or 21. Brandon? So, yeah, Mark, let me take the first question. And that was, is there any way out? And the answer is yes, to an extent. When you set up this account, it's an irrevocable contribution for your son. And you are permitted as the custodian of the account to take money out as long as the money and distributions are used on expenses for your son. And so we have seen where these accounts get large and whether it's the impact to financial aid or the fact that you're a little bit worried about what your child's going to do at age 18, that in years leading up to that, whether it's camp um, or whether it's a used car, perhaps because they're going to a part-time job. Tuba you, lessons. Tuba lessons, whatever it might be, that you make distributions and you keep a file. And if anybody ever asks, which is unlikely, but in case they do, you say, look, no, the distributions came out for these expenses. When you said anybody, you meant... Uh, you know who I meant, the IRS. So in other words, you cannot use the money for things that the parents are reasonably responsible for providing, such as shelter and uh, food and clothing. But if the kid wants a pair of $400, who's making the the sneakers? 400 bucks. Yeah. My my nephew is 14. He says he wants to buy this $400 pair of running shoe by some when i think of i think of some big i mean i'm gonna go way back but air jordans were what a hundred dollars back there's something now it's 400 bucks he's telling me he showed me the photos online at uh, the nike store and they're 400 running shoes and i just stared at him but anyway (laughs) you don't have to pay speechless you don't have to buy your son 400 running shoes let him buy it for himself out of the utma account or whatever it is that he would likely do You, you don't have to buy him all the clothes you buy him let him do it. In other words, don't use your money. Use the UTMA money. And all you need to do, as Brandon said, is maintain receipts and records of the expenses in case the IRS ever comes a call and wanting to know what you did with the cash. And in that way, I'm willing to bet that over the next three years, you can figure out how to spend the bulk of this money. You can dwindle it down. Is there a way to delay it to 21, meaning that, you know, right now, I think uh, 18 typically seems to be the age of access, but uh, I have seen where it's been 21, and I don't know, I can't figure out where that is. So the second question, Mark, was can you back up the age at which the account goes to him? So each state actually has their own rule in terms of what's the age of, they call it majority. And my memory serves, Virginia can be 18 or 21, but it's determined when you set the account up. So we've set up some UTMAs for clients that might have them elsewhere and they're asking to bring them over. And if you set it up at the time, you can, depending on the institution, actually write in age 21. So you'd have to go to the company where the account is held and just, in fact, verify that in their records, the account was set up for age 18 and one, confirm that, and then two, confirm that you don't have the ability to push it back to 21. And I'm willing to bet that you cannot, Um, but it's worth, as Brandon said, checking to see. And let's, by the way, elaborate for everybody else, this acronym we keep using, UTMA, Uniform Transfer to Minors Act. That's the state law that it's actually a federal model law, but all the states adopt their own version that allows you to establish a custodial account on behalf of a minor to invest um, because minors can't open accounts. They have no legal rights. So you create a custodial account under the UTMA, Uniform Transfer to Minors Act. This is the 
replacement, essentially, for a prior law, the UGMA, the Uniform Gift to Minors Act. I don't know why, but they now call them transfers as opposed to gifts, even though they operate the same way under tax law. And one big distinction, the UGMA used to go to age 21. The UTMA generally goes to age 18. So if you uh, can pull off what Brandon had suggested and get them to change the paperwork from 18 to 21, fab, but I'm not so sure that I would consider a 21-year-old to be all that much more mature than today's average 18-year-old. So I don't know what you're buying in that effort. Yeah, so the, the account is held in Vanguard. Uh, so I need to go back and take a look at that again. The other challenge, well, the other option I, I, and maybe you guys can comment on this is, uh, you can do, uh, what I've seen is, or you two may transfer to a 529 account. Um, and what are your thoughts around that? I think that makes it worse. Um, quite frankly, because all you're doing is creating a new restriction on the use of the potential use of the money. Whereas if the money is used for a different purpose, then you're going to, uh, incur taxes and penalties. Keep in mind that the UTMA will still own the account, which means you're still dealing with an age 18 issue. You're still dealing with a child being the ultimate owner of the account at age 18. You're not really solving a big issue there. All you're gaining is tax-free growth on the investments. But you're only talking about three years from now, so I don't know that it's all that significant uh, an amount of tax savings. Yeah, I kind of got a sense that that was a little bit more you know, it's just adding a little another layer of complication yet and another layer of restriction. Yeah, like you, I said, my 529 is already funded. Yeah, you don't actually. want at this point to create restrictions and complications. What you want to do is create simplicity and flexibility. And to me, that says sign the kid up for tuba lessons and start spending the money. Right. And educating. Right. And, uh, yeah, just you know, to, yeah. show him I'm, I'm happy. You know, I've, I've and Rick, I'm a big big follower of diversification, rebalancing, and, and the like that you talk about. As I said, you know, I haven't, I basically have it in, in international stock and, and U.S. stock, and uh, I haven't touched it, quite honestly, other than just some simple, you know, account maintenance, and it's done very well. Uh, so, you know. Give uh, him a copy of my book. Me. <laughs> Give him a copy of my book, The Truth About Money, and have him read parts one, two, and three. I have it sitting on the uh, kitchen island right now as we speak. Come Excellent. Think of it. We'll go throw it at him and tell him not to come out of his bedroom until he finishes the book. Uh, get him off the Xbox and onto the book. There you go. It's a deal. Thank you so much, Mark. Super. Thank you very much for taking my call. You're very welcome. I'm Rick Edelman in with Brandon Corso here on The Rick Edelman Show. Triple H Plan Rick online at ricedelman.com. with the founder of one of the nation's largest independent investment advisory firms, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. Brandon Corsa is in the studio with me, taking your telephone calls at 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-752-6742. You can also send us your questions at our website, rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. Just click that red button. I want to talk with an advisor. Tell us what it is that's on your mind, and we'll get the answers to your questions as well. Uh, you know, we were just talking with uh, Mark uh, in the last uh, segment, and... Uh, I mentioned my nephew wanting a pair of $400 running shoes, and this was a really hot topic at a recent family uh, reunion. I just Googled $400 athletic shoes, and I just got Giuseppe Zanotti Taz Green for $398. Bucks. Are those Air people? This is the name of the running shoe. I don't okay. know. I get, who's Giuseppe Zanotti? He's a designer. He's a designer. 
Uh, Air Jordan 5 Retro Premiums. Don't say who's Air Jordan. No, I'm, uh, I'm aware of who Nike he is. Nike Men's LeBron. Like LeBron James. James yeah. And that's $345. The Air Jordans are $400. And Christian Lebotins? Le, 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 Lebotons, Louboutin. Who's who's Christian Louboutin? Is that another designer? Red bottoms. red bottoms. What's red bottoms? Oh, my wife's told me about red bottom shoes. What are they? Uh, they're expensive. That's what they are. Are they running shoes? Are they? No, I don't think so. They're uh, either high heels or flats. I don't know. But if it's got a red bottom, unless it's a knockoff, I think it's expensive. Well, they're um, four hundred dollars. So uh, yeah, so my fourteen-year-old nephew wants a pair of these, and. Uh, so the, the the big debate huh. for the whole half hour, people are screaming about this. You know, we're a big family event we're all at. Uh, was will they wear out before he outgrows them? How old is he? Fourteen. I would think not. Yeah, I think I mean, he'd outgrow them yeah, first, right? Yeah, I but, think but so. But my point was, I'm listening to this, and finally I spoke up, and I said, I cannot believe that none of you are arguing over $400 for these shoes. The kid's 14. You're all just saying, you know, will he outgrow them or will he outwear them? And anyway, that was the half-hour conversation in the car. So, so you're not going to be buying him these shoes, it uh, sounds. He not, he ain't getting them for no. me for Christmas. I might buy them for myself, though. <laughs> All right, enough about running shoes. Let's run over to San Marcos, California. Carol, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. How are you? Doing terrific. What can we do for you? Uh, my question is regarding a TSA annuity that my employer has offered. I work in a school, and we have a, just one product um, to pick from in order to get the 3% match. And I do realize, you know, that these fees are very high in the funds, as I have a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA from another employer that I rolled over, um, and I have that held separately. And I, I do see the cost of these funds inside this annuity are really high. So I'm trying to figure out a way to counteract the high, the high fees by maybe going with investing in just a, an index fund, which is one of the lower fees, uh, you know, expense ratios. So this is really um, such a sore spot for me because we spend so much time and energy trying to help our clients make the best decisions possible with their retirement accounts at work. And in the right. 401k world, meaning the, the for-profit companies, they tend mm -hmm. to offer retirement accounts, 401ks and the like, which have a wide variety of investment options. But in the nonprofit world, in the employer in the, in the school systems and in hospitals where they operate under 403B rules, mm -hmm. they tend to have only one investment option. They tend to be offered by an insurance company. And as you pointed yep. out, Carol, the expenses tend to be egregious. And it's so well, frustrating they, they when are. we see this. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at what I'm paying in fees for my um, traditional IRA that I have and a, and a Roth IRA that I have that I rolled over from an old employer. And there's no comparison to the expense ratio. So being in my early 30s, I'm thinking, well, maybe I should, you know, I want to get the match. I don't want to give up the free money. So do I just go ahead and put it in that cheap index fund, which isn't that cheap, actually, but it's better than the other ones that are inside this annuity. Brandon? So that's kind of my dilemma. Right. Uh, well, Carol, 
you mentioned Matt, and I can't foresee the possibility of not contributing to the 403B, despite the fact that you have analyzed its options and the fees are higher than you would get outside of it. So, And I don't mm-hmm. think you were asking that, but I just can't imagine that would be a possibility. Having said mm-hmm. that, I wouldn't want us to give you definitive advice on that without looking at the prospectus, the program mm-hmm. description, make sure we understand all the investment options. And then you've got to determine, mm-hmm. are you going to consider not fund it any more than the match because of the high fees. And that would be a a decision that would be too hard also to answer on a quick call. Because conceptually, the answer could be yes, meaning you you only put in 3% of your pay in order to get the 3% match. Now you've doubled your money. And then all of the extra savings you would ordinarily have done in the 403B, you instead do in an IRA. The question is, will you be able to contribute as much to the IRA as you otherwise would be allowed to contribute in the 403B because you're normally allowed to contribute more to the 403B than you are to an IRA? And this is why Brennan said it gets a little confusing. Uh, Also, we want to pay proper attention to the investment choices because fee is only one consideration. Let me give you an illustration. I'm going to give you two extreme choices. Okay. Neither one of them is real, but it gets the point across. One of them has a zero fee, but it earns zero. The other one has a 10% fee, but it doubles your money net of the fee. Mm-hmm. Clearly, mm-hmm. it'd be worth paying the fee, wouldn't it? Yeah. And that's sure. my point. In other words, don't assume that low fee equals high return. There's no question mm-hmm. that low fee improves the return. But if it was as simple as saying, I'm going to get the best return by choosing the lowest fee, that's what everybody would do. And every investment would be equally low in fees. So clearly there's more to the story. In, In addition to fees, there's return and there's risk. And that's why Brandon said, we need to look at the investment choices available to you to take full consideration, not just the fee consideration. Okay. Okay. So second to this question, I do plan on maxing out my IRA if I can. Um, now, would I be best? I have a Roth and I have a, and a traditional. Am I limited as to whether it has to be the Roth or it has to be the traditional since I'm already investing in a, in a 403B annuity? So, yes, Carol, you're right. So it, because you're going to invest in the 403B, that means you're actively participating in a defined contribution plan. Next, we need to look at what your adjusted gross income is, also how you file taxes, whether it's single or married, to determine what type of IRA are are you eligible for. And so it will impact eligibility, but we need to look at all those components to determine how. Okay. 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 So I have to do a little more investigating. Okay. Carol, you're asking all the right questions. So I love it that you are looking at the investments. I love that you're looking at the fees, your eligibility. So it is the complexity of all of these things that you have to bring together to make sure you're making the right decisions on each of these questions that you're asking. Okay. And don't feel you have to go it alone. You're more than welcome to call us. We have offices throughout California to look at your investment options as well and help you evaluate to what degree do you participate in the 403B, to what degree do you offset that with a participation in the IRA, do you use a Roth IRA versus a deductible IRA, what's the asset allocation you deal with. You don't have to go it alone, Carol. Okay. So call us at the same number you dialed today, and we'll hook you up with one of our colleagues in California. All right. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. I'm Rick Edelman. Carol called 888 to plan Rick. You can do the same. In the studio here, 
with Brandon Corso, my colleague at Edelman Financial Services, uh, one of our hundred and how many of us are there now? Hundred and sixty. I would have said one fifty, so right around that number. Way too many. Way, way not, too many. <laughs> way not enough. I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard to keep track. Uh, Forty-three offices around the country. One hundred and fifty to 160 of us, we'll leave it at that, and uh, ready to help you no matter where you are, no matter what your financial question, we're here to help you. We're about out of time. Uh, I want to say thanks so much, Brandon, for joining me on the program here uh, with all these phone calls, and to you for joining us as well. Contact us anytime you wish, 888-PLAN-RICK, or online at ricedelman.com. Remember, if you love the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I'll see you next week. the truth about money every weekend on the rick edelman show lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.